This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. American stock markets leapt after lower-than-expected inflation figures raised hopes that the Federal Reserve will ease its tightening. The big three indices each recorded their best day since 2020, with the tech-heavy Nasdaq composite climbing by 7.4%. The S&P 500 gained 5.5%. Annual inflation slowed to 7.7% in October, down from 8.2% in September. Joe Biden and Xi Jinping will meet in person on Monday for the first time as presidents of America and China. The meeting will take place ahead of the G20 summit in Bali. In a statement, the White House suggested the pair would discuss efforts to, quote, maintain and deepen lines of communication between America and China, as well as how to work together on, quote, transnational challenges. Earlier, Russian officials confirmed that President Vladimir Putin would not attend the G20 summit. Ukrainian troops pushed further towards the city of Kherson after Russia said it would withdraw from the occupied regional capital. Ukraine's forces recaptured 12 surrounding villages and towns, including Snyarivka. Yet the country's army chief said he could not confirm that Russia was pulling out of Kherson city. Earlier, a high-level Ukrainian official said he saw, quote, no signs that Russia is leaving Kherson without a fight. Control of America's Senate remains on a knife edge after Tuesday's midterm elections, but the path for Democrats has become clearer. The Democratic candidate holds the lead in Arizona, and postal ballots in Nevada also appear to be going Democrats' way. In Georgia, another state yet to be called, the election will go to a runoff next month. The House of Representatives is likely to flip to the Republicans. Sam Bankman-Fried, founder of FTX, the world's third-largest crypto exchange, apologised for the near collapse of his firm. In a series of tweets, Mr Bankman-Fried vowed to repay users of FTX, which has faced a liquidity crunch and financial difficulties. On Wednesday, Binance, the world's largest crypto exchange, withdrew from talks to buy out FTX, sending crypto prices crashing. The head of the United Nations Development Programme told delegates of COP27 that more than 50 of the world's poorest countries were at risk of defaulting on their debt and needed urgent assistance to cope with the climate crisis. Meanwhile, the heads of several African governments said that they must be allowed to use fossil fuels to lift their countries out of poverty. Elon Musk told Twitter employees at a meeting on Thursday that the social media firm is seeing a negative cash flow of several billion dollars, according to the New York Times. He reportedly alluded to bankruptcy. In an email to staff, he nixed the company's, quote, work from home forever, policy and set a goal of getting half of Twitter's revenue from subscriptions. And fact of the day, 94%, the drop in wealth of Sam Bankman-Fried, a crypto entrepreneur, in a day, from $26 billion to less than $1 billion, the biggest single-day fall on record. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. 
A Somber Singles Day in China Singles Day, an informal holiday in China that falls on Friday, began as a celebration of those unlucky in love. The date 11-11 symbolizes four single people. Then, over a decade ago, Alibaba, an e-commerce giant, helped turn the day into a shopping event. Today, most online retailers in China offer sales during the festival, and millions of Chinese people splurge on e-commerce websites. But this year, the world's biggest online shopping day will probably be smaller than in 2021. Harsh COVID restrictions in China have dampened consumer sentiment. For the first time in 14 years, the value of Alibaba's sales on Singles Day may fall from a record 540 billion yuan, then $85 billion last year, to 532 billion yuan, according to estimates from Bloomberg. Sporadic lockdowns across the country may even disrupt the logistics networks needed to deliver the goods. Most countries have learned to live with COVID. China is doing anything but. The Carbon Budget Crunch According to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, 2.9 trillion tons of carbon dioxide is the most that can accumulate in the atmosphere for there to be a reasonable chance of avoiding temperatures rising beyond 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. The budget for 2 degrees Celsius is 3.7 trillion tons. By 2019, around 2.4 trillion tons had already been released. On Friday, the Global Carbon Project, a scientific consortium, will release its annual report on how much the world has left to, quote, spend. Its calculation is likely to be depressing. Staying within the budget for 1.5 degrees Celsius was only just plausible when the goal was agreed in Paris in 2015. Emissions have continued growing since. But a reminder of just how little is left in the bank should galvanize the negotiators gathered in Egypt for COP27, the UN's climate summit. They must move to slash emissions now rather than promise to cut them in the future. And they must start thinking seriously about what to do when the budget for 1.5 degrees Celsius runs out. Visions of a New World at the Paris Peace Forum Many Ukrainians mistrust France's president, Emmanuel Macron, because until recently he has persisted in talking to Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. But in a speech at the UN in September, Mr. Macron explained that his desire for dialogue was part of a search for a new multilateral global order. On Friday, he will expound on that vision at the Paris Peace Forum, an annual talking shop in the French capital. There will inevitably be much discussion about how to bring the war in Ukraine to an end. But the forum, slogan, quote, riding out the multi-crisis, will place the conflict alongside other problems such as climate change, food security, COVID-19, and internet governance. This is reflected in its list of speakers and panelists, which include big names from Africa such as Umaro Sissoko Mbalo, the president of Guinea-Bissau, and Asia such as Kishore Mabubani, a Singaporean diplomat. Mr. Putin also likes to talk about a new multipolar world. The version that will be presented in Paris seems more benign. Latin America searches for a development banker. Nominations closed today for one of Latin America's top jobs. The Inter-American Development Bank lends about $14 billion a year in the region and advises governments on projects and reforms. 
In 2020, Donald Trump's administration defied a convention that the bank's president should be Latin American and cajoled enough votes to install Mauricio Claver Caron, an official from America's National Security Council. Mr. Claver Caron promised improvements but alienated many shareholders. In September, the board sacked him for having an affair with his chief of staff, whose salary he had raised. He denies the allegations. This time, Latin America's governments have put forward strong local candidates. Brazil and Mexico have proposed their central bankers, Ilan Goldfein and Gerardo Esquivel, respectively. Chile's candidate is Nicolas Isaguirre, a former finance minister. Sergio Massa, Argentina's economy minister, is keen, though he would struggle to leave his current post given what he calls his country's, quote, critical economic situation. Much horse trading may lie ahead before the board chooses the new president on November 20th. Storytelling amid censorship in Iran In October, a fire engulfed Evin, Iran's most notorious prison. The blaze threatened the lives of thousands of inmates, including one of the country's most prominent directors. Jafar Panahi, who in 2010 was accused of, quote, propaganda against the system and forbidden from making films or leaving Iran, is one of many filmmakers the regime has trapped through house arrests, travel bans, or imprisonment. He continued to create and made the internationally acclaimed Taxi, 2015, and Three Faces, 2018. In July, Mr. Panahi was sentenced to six years behind bars. His latest film, No Bears, shot in secret before his arrest and released in British cinemas on Friday, draws on his own trials to produce a deft and surprisingly funny meta-narrative. Mr. Panahi plays himself in this film about a film which is set either side of Iran's border with Turkey. By blurring the line between fact and fiction, No Bears offers a moving portrait of what it is like to live and make art in the face of repression. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. Which actress married nine times, with husbands including the designer of the Barbie doll and the founder of the Hilton hotel chain? Thursday. Which rock star appeared with the word slave written on his face in protest at his recording contract? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword, published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia, Anand Mahajan, Mumbai, India, North America, Jess Parks, Menlo Park, California, America. Central and South America, Sebastian Agudelo Restrepo, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. Europe, Julia Gorelkina Hürlimann, Bern, Switzerland. Africa, Hasit Raja, Nairobi, Kenya. Oceania, Kevin Fernandez, Melbourne, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of conglomerate, credit, ozone, and Europe. Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Kurt Vonnegut, who was born on this day in 1922. 
We are what we pretend to be, so we must be careful about what we pretend to be. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.